You're listening to Integrating Sacred Wisdom Podcast. I call on the guardian of the East, Raphael, element of air, come and be welcomed. Call upon the guardian of the South, Michael, element of fire, come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the West, Gabriel, element of water, come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the North, Uriel, element of earth, come and be welcome. And we are your hosts. I'm Kelly Hauk, founder of Sacred Arts Sanctuary in West Sedona and also Heart Space Retreats. And I am Priscilla Hadway, founder of Sacred Remembering Sound Healing in Sedona, Arizona, and ascensionprovisions.com. I'm Matthew David Cummings with Above So Curio and Purify by Fire. And I'm Anna Marstanovich with Heart Space Retreats in Sedona and also High Desert Healing Massage and Bodywork. So today we are going to be talking about soul contracts. What is a soul contract? Before our every incarnation on earth, we're given a choice. It is a choice to pick our life's spiritual purpose. We're asked what lesson we would like to learn this time, and the answer we give determines our life on earth, and the soul contracts are made based on our chosen lesson. You know, looking into some ways that we would describe soul contracts, right? I think of the first thing that comes to my mind is the core experiences that we have as humans, right? There's something that... Our souls are destined to learn all of these things throughout the life of our soul, not just our human life. And so each lifetime that we go into, we have the opportunity to choose which lessons we're going to learn and how we're going to learn them before we incarnate into a human life. Yes, these soul contracts stay with us throughout lifetimes until that lesson is learned until that soul contract is essentially fulfilled um, for our own spiritual growth. And sometimes those lessons can be painful. Oftentimes, most of the time, those <laughs> lessons can be painful. Um, a lot of the time, spiritual growth is pain. So if you believe that, you know, we everything is predetermined and we make these decisions before we incarnate, then we're choosing these lessons for ourselves. We're choosing what soul family we incarnate with. We're choosing our parents. We're choosing our friends. We're choosing our um, we're choosing our struggles. We're choosing, you know, what we have to fight against. Uh, so how do you guys feel about that? Do you agree with that? I know some people will struggle with that because they they say, well, that's not really fair. You're saying, you know, so-and-so unfair situation, that person chose that situation. I know that that can be kind of a touchy subject. You see what God just did? <laughs> well, and I think a lot of people, um, when they get into that mentality of, well, how dare you say that I chose this experience? Um, there's still free will. And a lot of times with soul contracts, you also have kind of like an option to choose that route or an option to go a different route between you and that person you're having that experience with. So you might have a soul contract of 
potentially getting into the situation, and then it's up to both of you how it plays out. And sometimes one person fulfills the contract and the other person doesn't, and then that other person has to repeat whatever that agreement was with someone else in a different lifetime, but you've already resolved it because you learned what it was you needed to learn, and you moved forward. That was really well put. Absolutely. Yeah. That brings up how we can recognize soul contracts, perhaps, as lessons that we find continuing to show up throughout our lives for various experiences. Yeah. How do you how do you guys recognize a soul contract? Well, and I was just about to say that a lot of times it's not going to manifest exactly the same way. It might be similar situations, but it's not always going to be the exact situation every time you experience it. And so there's also that. But it's like it's the core lesson that you have to learn. Yeah. You know, there are many different routes you can take to get there. Um, but the lesson on a soul level is is going to be similar or the same. That makes sense. The experience maybe evolves, but the yeah. lesson remains the same. Yeah. So it could be a positive experience or it could be a negative one. But if it if it achieves that goal of you, you know, leveling up in that way, then. And sometimes there's that those layers to that lesson, right? When we have something come back around, it doesn't necessarily mean that we didn't do what we should have done the first time. You know, we may have integrated the lesson, but this is the opportunity for us to go deeper into that lesson. Like, yeah. that, you know, and so over time you may have, say, like repeated experiences with betrayal right the concept of betrayal and so you're like oh I, I thought i knew better and i chose better and i did everything right this time and and whatever and then you have that experience that feeling again regardless of what the experience looks like and you're like okay well this is an opportunity for me to learn something else you know it's like they have you take math classes in school your entire you know school career right it's not like okay now you're done you got math you know one congratulations you know you have to continue to deepen your understanding of that lesson and so I think sometimes some of that is that you're you do have a contract like you've said before you incarnated yes I want to understand this concept to this depth in that lifetime and I think sometimes you reach that point and then you can also be given opportunities to ascend past even what your contract was I think um, even you're open to it. That's even like, uh, I mean, because our humanity probably has its own contracts as well. You know, the earth has its own contracts. So if you think about, you know, linear time, not necessarily being a straight line, but a spiral, you know, that's kind of layering on top of itself that we're repeating our history um, you know, on top of the previous layer, um, those those lessons, same lessons are being learned, but yet had a higher perspective, a new perspective. Um, so we're consistently learning the same lesson just from a new perspective as a collective. I mean, not just individually. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's true. I think the earth having certain contracts and that's why we're incarnated at certain times to do certain things that I think there is a big, a really big picture you could go into yeah. with all that too. And then what a lot of people bring up with soul contracts is karma, you know, that you're 
balancing out karma. I'm not a huge expert on karma and dharma and like those, you know, Ayurvedic and, and stuff with that. But but the, I, I do resonate with the concept of us playing. Sometimes we're playing the good guy, you know, let's say, and then then our, we have to be the bad guy, you know, to experience both sides of it. But then there's also, I think, you know, making things up to people in a way and as not so much as a punishment, but as that opportunity to experience the, the fullness of humanity, the fullness of, of feeling and thought and experience. What do you guys know or think about karma? Oh, I mean, along those lines that you were just saying, like, um, healing some sort of, of trauma, perhaps, or wrongdoing, um, doesn't necessarily have to be your own souls, but I mean, you, you could be the one that takes on the task of, of healing, you know, uh, lineage, uh, karma. Um, so your, your family or bloodline or your, your past or culture or something along those lines, um, before you incarnate, you take that, uh, that task upon yourself, upon your soul to be the one to break that cycle, the cycle breakers, which is a, a big reoccurring theme that we find, uh, currently in, in the metaphysical community. Well, and also, um, I mean, if you think about it in that sense, it's really just whatever was unresolved in a past life, you're taking it into this life to resolve it, whether it be something that might have happened that caused an imbalance of harmony between you and somebody else or you and a specific lesson. And it depends on what your goals are in this current lifetime on how you want to work on that karma because we don't always work on all of our karma at once. Sometimes we choose in different lifetimes, like, I'm just going to focus on this one. And so with uh, ancestral stuff, I mean, we all make contracts before coming into this lifetime of who we want to incarnate with and what type of what we call ancestral curses we want to take on to break those cycles so that it's not repeating. I can recall just even with my own agreements with karmic agreements in my lifetime, you know, I had the ancestral curse of working through mental illness and borderline personality disorder. And so for me, I was the one to stop it because I actively started recognizing it in my early 20s and was like, no, I'm not going this route. I'm not going to take on what my mom and grandmother and everybody else has all had for who knows how many generations. And so very much it just depends on our soul agreements when we come here, what we want to do, what we want to learn. And that ultimately taught me a lot about borderline personality disorder to where I'm actively going to school to study it. And so um, there's usually specific reasons and it has a lot to do with developing into your own personal understanding of your karmic agreements and your soul purpose and being able to work with it with tools because you have now your own personal experience to take to the table. Absolutely. Yeah. They, um, there's a lot with, I'm trained through Dolores Cannon, Cannon for quantum healing hypnosis, right? QHHT, we call it. And she talks a lot in all of her books, the convoluted universe books. It's a 
huge series about all these different things that have come up um, from people in hypnosis sessions that she just she sees herself as like a reporter of all the things that come up and she shares them in these books. And there's consistently this community talks a lot about going into the 5D, right? And that you have to clear your karma on earth in order to stop incarnating on earth. But when some like star seeds, you know, people who say their souls come from other planets, they have to really make that decision uh, to incarnate on earth because they're creating karma on earth. When they're incarnate in other planets, they're creating karma on those planets and that until you can clear all of that you you will continue to need to incarnate on that planet until you clear it so there's a lot of i mean yeah if, if you're into the study of different uh planetary civilizations um, and the scale that they're rated on uh earth is you know statistically uh, at a very low scale um we're not even considered a type one civilization, which would be, you know, under one world government or, uh, you know, uh, at a, a general peace agreement throughout all of Earth. And uh, also we've found a symbiotic relationship with the natural processes of our world and our own uh, needs and uh you know, our own impact on Earth. And uh, if you think about it that way, uh, we're still just barely coming out of the dark ages, you know, so... And and that's... Uh, those those things are a requirement for a type 1 civilization, so that the lowest um, rated um, type that you can be, you know, any, anything below that... Uh, yeah, so we're really bound here in the three-dimensional, um, and it's going to take, I mean, time Time in our perspective is speeding up so much that, you know, I, I don't know that anybody could say how long it's really going to take us to get there. It could be, you know, another thousand years from now, or it could be 10 years, you know, it it really depends on how, how quickly we're evolving in our collective consciousness, but but to make a choice to go from, you know, potentially a type four or five civilization to incarnate into a, a three-dimensionally bound body uh, and to take on that karma, um, it's a big deal. I mean, that's a that's a big leap. And I, I think that's also why we're, we're seeing such... A huge discrepancy or or distance between the the younger generation of star seeds that are coming in. I mean, they're they're learning at lightning fast speeds, you know, beyond anything that humanity has ever seen before. Um, and that probably has a lot to do with it. They've already gone through these processes, you know, potentially thousands of years ago. So. I'm not much of a 5D person. I'm still like, I'm so, you know, I, my calling is to work in the, is to 
help people through the 3D process, right? So I'm not as well-spoken on that, but just having a child, you know, my four-year-old is like very much, she's so frustrated by the human experience a lot of times. Like, why is everything so much harder? Yes. And she'll have those moments Like we were driving one time and she was just on the way to school in the morning, taking her to daycare. And she's just like, oh, you know, mom. I guess, you know, I think I, I like my other, my, my new body now. I think I'll like my new body. I was like, oh yeah, what about your new body? <laughs> She's like, what, what's different? She's like, well, it's kind of hairier. <laughs> She's like looking at her arm. And, was, and she says, you know, my other body was just lighter. It was blue, you know. Wow. So she still had like, core memory. Yeah, she can tell. She just went off on this whole conversation for about five or ten minutes about the difference between, she's like, things were so much faster and easier in my old body, and here it's just heavier and kind of slow. And I'm like, are you? She was like two and a half, three years old at the time. I was like, how old are you? Where, where am I? Like, oh, gosh, I've got my hands full. Yeah, so <laughs> it's easy. But yeah. Sorry. It is. So there, you know, but there is, there are contracts that we, we take on, you know, it is very much, I believe, a choice to be here and to have a lot of the experiences that we have. So, so then it goes to what are some examples of soul contracts? Like what lessons might we decide we want to learn? You guys have any? the quiet question i don't know i think just one. in general i think it's it's gaining news perspective i mean if we think of perspective in in the form of you know our understanding of dimensions it's 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 breaking loose from a previous mold so we're we're adding dimension to that thought form or no longer have, you know, thinking or acting in the previous patterns that, you know, we were bound to, we're no longer um, stuck within those confines. We're, we're working our way out. Yeah. And so I think some of the common contracts, you know, that come to mind, we talked about you know, betrayal being one of them, like how to manage some type of betrayal, that would probably be, you know, I have a lot of clients that come in with that as well. Um, contracts on bringing a certain um, teaching, you know, that can be your contract. Like I have the certain teaching that's going to come through me and help other people that way. You know, the contracts can be I'm going to be a mother and have those experiences of of being a mother and raising a child, you know. A contract in you know, your romantic relationships. Those are for other forms of contracts, right? Like what you can learn through those. Learn accepting love. Learn giving love. Learn grace, forgiveness. You know, there's a whole lot we can do. I think we kind of the- touched on that before. We were talking about, you know, some of your personal experiences and how those experiences, you know, without them wouldn't you wouldn't be the, the, the teacher that you are today. Absolutely. You know, the advocate for those uh, those energies for for others healing. Huh. So that I would see as a contract as well. Yeah. I mean, taking that on in order to bring others to a greater perspective. Yeah. And that's what I find so fascinating about the work that I do, you know, with people doing energy clearing, doing 
you know, um, I call them sacred journeys, hypnotherapy sessions, you know, what have you. There's lots of words for it, but like guiding people through the lessons that they are, you know, through these stories that come up during these sessions, we're able to kind of uncover what are some of the lessons in in the life that you have now. You may have had some past lives that we can bring forward and remember those in this moment. And what was the, you know, like you got a layer of that lesson there. How can you remember that lesson incorporated into the even deeper dynamic that you're experiencing in your current lifetime? That there are a lot of a different different ways that we can be of service through our learning and that we are here to learn and ascend and grow, you know, is the whole point of contracts. And we're here to help other people through that too, right? We facilitate other people's learning through our contracts to be friends with them, to be teachers, to be coworkers, you know, there's there's kind of an infinite way that we can. I definitely like kind of a, an odd one, I guess, but it keeps coming up. So I'll talk about it is a, a contract that I fulfilled when I was 17. And um, it was that I was in a, a car accident, one of many at the time, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> but, but this was where um, uh, I was 17 and a 14 year old ran into a busy road out of nowhere. And he hit he and my car like just hit each other at the exact same time. I didn't even see him. He was he was running across a busy road coming out from a city bus. So he got off the city bus and right when I evened up with the bus, he came out from in front of the bus and like wow. hit him. Just like a movie. It's it was insane. Yeah. And so, you know, the interesting things about that situation, I mean, I never met him. I after that he he died so I mean I was never going to meet him or his family um I don't even know his name you know he didn't know my name like so but there he an interesting fact that I was graced with after being interrogated for hours and drug tested <laughs> all the yeah. things a friend went to the exact yeah thing. and thankfully I was playing, you know, I was just leaving work. work going home from work um that afternoon. And so something had told me just a few minutes before I was going like 10 miles over and something said, you need to slow down right now. I was literally the only car on the road, six lanes, only car anywhere. right? And I did. I actually listened and I'm so thankful that I did. So I went down to the speed limit. So that helped, you know, clear my conscience as well. Right. I didn't create some karma from that by saying, oh, I wasn't making good choices and therefore it hurt somebody. Instead, I was literally just the vehicle for this person's karma to complete, right? When it so happens that when this person was 11 years old, they had been hit by a car, full body cast for a year, had to relearn to walk, do all these things. But they, you know, obviously had made a choice to stay alive and to move forward at that point. You know, I don't know. It's just kind of an, it's like a really interesting very touchy example, wow. which is why I'm surprised I'm bringing it up. I hope he got his soul money back. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's wow. It was, I mean, it was, it was things that I had to go through after that, you know, just making sure, like, I was afraid to drive. I was afraid to drive in certain areas of town where people walked a lot, you know, and, um, but I was definitely changed by that experience. 
And, you know, obviously there were a lot of people through that that were changed. But I do, I have continued to feel since then that I was just literally the vehicle and that somehow we had to, you know, have some type of agreement that that was going to happen and, and to what end or why, you know, yeah. I have never gone into that part of it, you know, yeah. but yeah. So it can't even be people you don't know. It could be, you know, some kind of contract I had with someone that was impacted by that, that I'll never meet, yeah. Yeah. you know, that I'm putting something into motion that's going to help them move into their purpose or their lesson. And I have no idea, I mean, you know, they have no idea, but it's really fascinating the interplay that we can have and, and what a beautiful system it is, yeah. you know. Well, and what's fascinating about that is because um, even just our death dates are still contracted agreements. I mean, we have multiple ones um, and what I call exit points. So there's just usually from what I've gathered, it's around like seven or eight of them throughout your lifetime, sometimes more, sometimes less, that we can choose to um, to take instead of continuing whatever it is that we're doing in this lifetime. So um, very much it could have been that child's final death date or it was an exit point where that child had chosen to go um, and you never know whatever that reason might be. We are just given like certain points in our lifetime where we we can kind of reevaluate and it's almost like what people experience when they have like that afterlife experience between life and death where like maybe they get into a car accident and the NDEs, yeah. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. Exactly. And then they were like, Well, I chose to come back. And usually that's what's happening is you're in a exit point and it's you choose to come back. And um those, bit, those tend to be extreme points of, of catalyst for change as well. Yeah. It's a very well studied phenomenon that that people's lives had completely changed, you know, not just not just the path that they take, but how they interpret the world and their relationships. You know, their brain waves are different, just every every aspect of them. Well, and it could be extreme or it can be minor. Yeah. I mean, looking back um, with having the ability to see, like, in the Akashic Records where people's exit points potentially can come up for them. It's interesting because I can also do it for myself for the past and also for the future. And recalling a lot of my exit points, it's like, okay, well, that's very fascinating that that came up. And, you know, it can be just minor. Like, I remember being like seven, eight years old and, you know, being homeschooled, like going to the grocery store as an event. And it was like, you know, my mom was like, well, we're going to the grocery store for whatever reason that day. I decided to stay home and um, I wanted to paint, oil paint out of nowhere for no reason at all. And um, she was gone probably six, seven hours. That was during the time that, you know, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So it was like, oh, I was taking a long time at the grocery store. Like, what's going on? And um, I get a phone call from the police department and they had told me that my mom was in a car accident and the car was totaled and that's why she wasn't home. They just wanted to let me know so I wasn't worried and that they'll be home as soon as they can. And going back at and looking at that as an adult and seeing it 
for what it was, that was definitely an exit point for me that young, where had I chosen the site that was hit on that car would have been where I was sitting because everybody in my family, we had a little station wagon, like, you know, it's the 80s, the station wagon. <laughs> um, and so, oh, that would have been the 90s, but... Um, who's counting? Who's counting? But everyone had their own, like, specific spot that they sat and... The person that hit my mom's car hit that spot in particular all the way over to my brother. I would have died had I went. And um, so it's interesting because I don't feel like that was a huge major life change for me. I mean, it might have, but it just seemed kind of like, okay, well, I kind of chose beforehand that I was just going to stay and continue. So I didn't even put myself in that situation. And so it's interesting to kind of look at how soul contracts on that level can play out and there's many of them um it just depends on you i mean looking even at my mom's akashic records i remember the moment when she was passing away it was hard for me to understand it but that was because i was looking at her ultimate death date and i was like she's not supposed to pass for like seven more years like why why is she going now and to me it was like wasn't registering that you know she was taking an exit point and so it was almost like the sense of denial that was happening and of like well this isn't really happening because of the fact that that's not her death date and afterwards looking at i'm like oh okay she chose to take a um, exit point and looking at her timelines, should she have chosen to continue her life from that moment on and say she did survive like the cancer treatments and things like that because she had um, gallbladder cancer. So it was a very rapid type of well, yeah, passing. Diagnosed, yeah. yeah, it was undiagnosed. And so it really, I mean, she fell off a ladder and went in to get an x-ray and they found the cancer on the x-ray and within a week she was gone. Wow. And so for that, um, looking at it, had she stayed, had it been caught, um, had she been able to even have a chance to go through treatment and stuff like that, for those seven years would have been miserable for her. She would have caught it like right at the beginning or went through it right at the beginning of COVID. She would have had to go through the whole COVID process as well. And her quality of life would have been just terrible. And yeah. it would have been a lot of suffering until she finally did pass away. To somebody who witnessed that process, yeah. I mean, that was almost, I mean, it's, it's harsh to say without that's that's like every, the dream diagnosis right there. Yeah. Like, get it and just go. Quickly. go. Yeah. yeah. And so it's interesting because that was very much her contract. She just chose that, okay, I'm going to take this exit point because I don't want to continue. And I know that there was a lot of hesitation with her spirit on leaving her children behind and leaving her grandchildren behind. And there was still that kind of like weighing the choice before she had left. But ultimately, she chose to take it so that she wasn't being a burden to people in her life. And some of that may come down to the idea what lessons are left, right? There's an idea out there that when children in particular, you know, there's, again, I say it's an idea, right? Because it's a very sensitive subject. But when children do exit, do pass away, that 
that there could have been a predestiny to that particular time. Mm -hmm. They were they already completed whatever they came here to complete, or that that passing is a part of a contract with someone else in their lives. You know that again, that impetus to you know something triggering something in, in someone's life around them that helps them search for answers, helps them find meaning, pushes. You know, I think a lot of people come out of that starting charities, right? Or doing some kind of big, big work with their lives, um, finding, searching for more purpose in their lives when they go through something. I mean, I can't imagine something happening to my child at all. I can't handle when she gets a cold. I can't imagine anything more than that. But yeah, um, you know, there, it's one of the ideas that's out there about why that can happen. So. Well, I mean, and then really even looking at it, the perspective of miscarriages, because I had a lot of miscarriages and um, understanding, like, I remember working with my son in the spirit realm before he incarnated. And one of the things that was coming up for him in this incarnation was he was going to pass away in a car accident. And for me, I was like, well, I don't want to be a mother to a child that's going to pass away. Like, he was going to be super young, like 17. And um, I worked on clearing that, and I went into his past life with him because I was with him working on it in his spiritual. And I went to that past life, and I had saw that he was, like, some kind of, like, race car driver. I think he was in, like, um, I think it was Italy or he was from Italy, and he died racing a car, and he was going to kind of go through that again in this next lifetime, and just working through that karma just to clear that out, but that just kind of made it to where his agreements here coming in was no longer needed, and so he chose to not carnate. And so it was interesting to see that, and like go through that and understand why my child decided to never be born. So, yeah, and there's lots of ideas about, you know, the contract is they, they can get whatever energies they need, whatever experiences they need in utero too, that they don't have to, you know, not only not all of them have yeah. to fully incarnate or that they change their minds. And I definitely felt like my daughter was in and out. They talk to spirits, sometimes go in and out of fetuses, you know, before they're actually physically born. And I do feel like I could tell when she was embodying and when she was, you know, back up in and wherever, you know, working things out, figuring things out, fine tuning things. I had a very strong intuition that she was going to be born and prior to her due date, not much, just a week or two, but in a whole different month, I thought she was going to be born in September. And to the point where I was looking for sapphires, my whole, you know, like a pendant, like for her birthstone and like this, the whole time I was pregnant. And then towards the end, I started thinking, no, I feel like maybe she's not going to come early after all. You know, I felt like a shift in that. And sure enough, she showed up literally on her due date, 1247 a.m. on her due date. I went from zero, like they thought we were going to have to induce in a few days to like 12 hours later, here she is, you know, like <laughs> boom. So, yeah, I think there is a lot of, of choice that you can make before before you before you are yeah, yeah before you're even physically born yeah well that reminds me you know it's not something that i could ever prove but i continue to get kind of glimpses of potential confirmation that 
because uh, I was a traumatic birth. So I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck twice. And uh, my mom the, was at a hospital that couldn't handle uh, that type of uh, uh, severe um, situation as far as you know, doing an emergency C-section. So she was flown by a helicopter to uh, another hospital that was able to take her in. And for some reason, I always had this weird feeling like, like I don't, I don't even think that I was in that body when that was taking place. Like I was, like if there was someone in there before me, like I was a replacement, like I was a walk-in, like during that transition period that like took that on, huh, for whatever reason. And, and then, yeah. And then talking to Kelly a little bit, like there are some things that I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, but that they, they lined up with that theory as well, that being a possible walk-in. Yeah. So. Well, from what I understand with doing a lot of shamanic work is there's like kind of multiple souls that incarnate with you at the same time, but they're usually just passively observing, um, usually living in your chakra system from what I found. <laughs> and for me, um, I definitely know that sometime around like my mid to late 20s, the version of me that was going through all of the heavy karma through childhood had chosen to leave and that I became a walk-in at that point but I was living in the heart chakra and came into the crown chakra and so I still have like all my memories of this incarnation because I was here observing it as well but I'm not person that was born with all these experiences. That's interesting. That kind of changes my uh, my understanding of what a walk-in would be. I mean, it makes sense. I don't know that my understanding of a walk-in really uh, would do that sort of transition justice. Like, I think it depends on what it is. I think during the time of like being born, it's a little bit different because the fact that nothing has been set yet. So maybe there was a spirit in the body of that child that was just going through the experience of the pregnancy. And then yeah. that was all that they had. And you were the one to take over after that. But I don't know. It just fe it made the terminology just the leaves more to be desired because like I, I feel like if you're already in the heart chakra you're not really a walk-in you're because you've already been transport yeah it, exactly yeah you were just kind of i don't know you were just uh fulfilling that that energetic uh i don't know void almost but yeah like stepping into your power and, and i feel i feel like Everybody has has those sort of uh, experiences to some degree or not. Like we don't, um, most of us who are doing the work don't identify with the person that we were um, previously in our lives, you know. Um, 
that that's that's not even uh, remotely a possibility. So you know, I think we're all kind of evolving uh, with our greater awareness over time in that aspect. So I don't, I don't know. I just feel like a walk-in would be a separate um, entity instead of one that's been there. I don't, I could be wrong. That's just. I'm thinking out loud, so I apologize. Continue. <laughs> I think just it just depends on the situation, what is happening with that person. So. Sorry, we kind of wave from. Oh my Sorry, when I mean, you know, we're still, still relative. Yes. Um. You know who who are our contracts with, right? Our contracts are with ourselves, our soul family, um, friends of ours can be members of our soul family, or just friends that we find in this life. And there's you know places that we work or or jobs that we, not even jobs that we take on, you know, as well. What type of work we do, and then even physical places we can have karma and contracts. I think with physical places like. You know, Sedona, for example, yeah, that's like field. <laughs> Most people, you know, like, oh, I felt called to live yeah. there, you know, or yeah. Sedona called me, like, just <laughs> kicking and screaming again. Sedona's like, you're going to be here. Because in the six years I've known you, have moved how many? Um, I don't. <laughs> I've been trying to leave Sedona for so long. She's trapped me back from Europe. Yeah, that that kind of reminds me of how some people hear the call of plant medicine. Mm-hmm. I wonder if those are probably contracts. I think those yeah. are. Yeah, oh, totally. You can have totally, yeah. karma with a myth, myth with methodology. You know, I think you can have karma with et. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, they're spirits. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. exactly so. That you're I mean, working with. I might oh. met with the spirit of Sedona. Oh, it's very much, and it's not the Sedona, like what Sedona was named after, but the spirit of Sedona. Not um, the, of the land. The person Sedona. So that's, yeah, not the person, but um, just the spirit of it. And anytime I've met with her, you know, and she comes in as like a very beautiful, like, land being. That kind of reminds me of like, what is it, Tafiti from Moana? It kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I always cry on that part. So do I. Remember you and I both bawling? <laughs> I know we've had a really good day, but we're going to your house and I'm playing this for you right now. So just the last part, just so you can see this last part. <laughs> so you can cry. <laughs> we're just standing there and like, you just. Because you mentioned something about soul families. And something that I remember hearing about soul families or even some of my experiences myself is that soul families uh, have a tendency to stick together through incarnation. So your, you know, your relationships and body and maybe even gender roles may change. Um, But yeah, you know, like your, your father could have been your spouse of your previous life something less weird than that but um you know like you, you're, you're <laughs> your sister your sister was your best friend or something you know something like that. 
we definitely depending on what it is that we want to go through. I know for a fact, you know, even just with my stepfather growing up, we had a positive relationship in our previous lifetime. In this lifetime, we chose the opposite. And um, I mean, even for me and you, Matt, of being twin flames, like we still definitely have that soul contract where sometimes we're friends, sometimes we're family. Sometimes we're in the same body. I mean, it just depends sure. on what we're trying to accomplish in that lifetime. Yeah, when, what needs to be done, what needs to get done, and the best way to do that. Because, mm-hmm. like, we we've both had similar experiences, very oddly similar experiences. You know, almost similar to like twins, identical twins that were separated at birth. Yeah. You know, like we shared the same sort of things happening at the same time around the same place. We uh, even grew up like three blocks from each other. Yeah, yeah, like less than a mile away. Yeah. And, and and never even knew that we existed until... Our teen years. Yeah, teen years. Um, but... And then somehow you magically end up in Sedona too. I know. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, and there you go. That's... that's uh, because that's what we're making and sold contracts for sure. I never in a million years would have imagined that I would would be up here. Even when I knew that you lived up here, I never pictured myself here. And I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit, but it was never a reality. It was never like, oh, that's something I'm going to do. It was always like, well, you know, that, might, nice. that might be cool. You know? yeah. And yeah, three years later, I'm still here. And I think I've moved to different places in order to fulfill contracts, right? Like I can definitely say, okay, when I lived, you know, in, in Alabama where I'm from, like, yes, there was all these contracts and that I, I, and I feel I have a lot of that. And I feel like I'm like able to power through them in a way that's, that seems unhuman, but actually like there's so I've gone, cause I've gone through so much change And I always, you know, have all of these really interesting kind of um, relationships with people. And there's that idea, too, that there's, they call it the reason or a season, right? That sometimes we have soul contracts with people that are not lifelong contracts, right? They're in our lives for a reason or a season. And so, like, being either here because we need to receive this type of information, you know, this period of time, or they're here to teach us this one uh, methodology or, or something like that, or to be a living example of what we want, you know, inspire us, things like that. Or there's people that are just in your life when you're going through a really hard time. And then after you get out of that hard time, you don't quite have as much in common anymore. Like, they chose one path, you chose another, and you're just like... Okay. Yeah, they, you know, they fulfilled a role, yeah, that you did. And that, yeah, I think we've all experienced that to some degree. Or or having, yeah, you mentioned inspiration. Having one person, you know, you may not even have known that person well or, you know, only saw them once or heard them speak once or even just read something that they wrote and not, not even ever knowing them personally that that has profoundly impacted your your life and your existence, you know, to this day, you know, that it is burned and in, ingrained into your being. And, um, yeah, you have no physical ties to them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, 
So I feel like every place, you know, I, I've always, when I've moved, I've always created this whole other, you know, whole different life and stayed in contact with some people from where I came from. But that a lot of times those relationships change, you know, when you're not there all the time anymore and you go somewhere new and then I have all immediately like, you know, all this, these other friends, these other coworkers, these other, and I just get right into um these contracts and, and move them through. So I think we do, you know, Kelly and I have mentioned a couple of times, like we feel like we're here in Sedona doing what we do so that all those contracts can come to us. You know, for me, I'm glad I don't have to keep moving all the time <laughs> to find these people, you know, to find people. And I definitely feel like a lot of my clients come through, like you, you just have this sense of knowing you know this like familiar some like familiarity you're like oh I just feel like I know this person somehow I know nothing about them and even though I'm only going to spend an hour and a half with them like there's just that connection and so that also brings into how do you recognize something is a contract right it could be fairly coincidental or or it you know just a someone you're meeting in passing or something like happens to be around or it could be like a contract and so well, and it's a lot of times like a instant like connection with that person or just a disconnection from them. It's like one or the other I found. It's either like an overly positive experience with them or sometimes just a really negative. And the positive and the negative can be contracts and it's very much just the lesson behind them. So it doesn't necessarily mean that like that person is someone that's going to be a negative in life in your lifetime i mean i remember just the first time meeting anna and we were just like, but after a while it's like we spend all day every day together <laughs> so i know it was just kind of more of like a contract of us learning to break through that and kind of seeing these trust break sweet what do you oh i don't like her <laughs> I don't like her. Well, no, she... I mean, sometimes those are the best friendships, right? When you hate each other at first. <laughs> I would say because they're similar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had that. Yeah. So you had, like my experience with that, I've had a few of my best friends with people at first. I don't know. I don't know. About her. <laughs> <At all. laughs> well, it's a joke. No way. Me and Anna but... talk about it. We're like, well, what was it? And I'm like, you know, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know what it was. I really think it was just like some type of contracted agreement we make where we both kind of felt the same way. And yeah. eventually that just broke through. And then like not even like a few months later, we're off in New Hampshire, like yeah. <laughs> doing an event together. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. But I think, too, that that part of that for me, I have an aversion like an, and I, so that I tell my clients all the time, like whenever I have an unnatural, illogical aversion to something. I've learned that that means there's something in it for me, that there is some kind of relation, some soul contracts, some kind of, even if it is a job, even if it's, you know, for me, snorkeling. Well, that that brings us back to shadow work. Yeah. I was was just about to say, would you call that a trigger? Yeah, definitely. I think that, and sometimes it's like, sometimes we have that aversion to people who are mirroring something. Yeah. Or our perception is, is that they mirror something that we subconsciously don't like about ourselves. Absolutely. Or they have that same shadow part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know. I know for. Oh, yeah. 
every do it every single day. I just day. need to walk it's exactly and triggering the shit out of people. Well, I think I think that's what it was with me and Kelly at first because I I think that's what I recognized in her was she was triggering some shadow aspect in myself that made me uncomfortable. But then once I got to know her, I realized that she wasn't she didn't come from a a bad negative place, and I realized that she could actually be helpful in my progression and my spiritual journey and she's also a good friend well and you guys happen to have known each other before too yeah like you had met a couple of times before the yeah we were together before we had working <laughs> yeah we just kind of never never hung out previously yeah it was literally nothing like that even remotely caused it it's just kind of like you're not too bad. It's, you're not too bad. I kind of like you. You want to go to New Hampshire? <laughs> yeah, I've been there before. And now, like, she doesn't come into work. What are you do with myself? <laughs> I've been here. A little codependent. I might be a little codependent. <laughs> that's, that's another thing you share in common. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's another way to recognize contract is, like, your guys' experience. Matt and Kelly is where you mirror each other. I mean that's that's kind of a, a rare exception, right? That's not going to be all of your all of your contracts are not going to be a twin flame situation. Twin flames aren't very anyway. exactly, but that is if you your experience. Right? <laughs> I, I think everyone, a lot of people think twin. Yeah, exactly, and they think it's twin yeah. we have so many weird random quirks about us all the way down to health stuff yeah and well it's fascinating and then it's hard because we bring it up you know to people and and they immediately think of you know kind of what the 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 popular theory is behind it or what they've heard you know the all the horror stories of you know uh, star-crossed lovers just destroying each other's lives because you know, they're sick it for be. They're not yeah, they're not really meant to Because you're be dating yourself. Together. Exactly. Yeah. You're not you're not meant to be together. You're supposed to learn from each other. I mean Well, and some might have contracts to true. be together, but not everybody. But I had noticed with our karmic agreements, um, we tend to come into each other's lives when we are going through the worst death and rebirth. Yeah. And it's always when we need each other the most. Yeah. And so, because we tend to have like aligned karmic patterns as twin flames, where we kind of go through similar experiences at the same time and yeah. we finish them at the same time. And so, yeah. every time we've ever been around each other, and I mean, I don't think we talked for 10 years. Oh, at least, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, hi, back yeah. in your life again. Well, because you were, you were doing some work where you were actually like calling in both. And you immediately answered I, it. Yeah. You're like, hey. I did like a dream interpretation or something. Um, and then it was like from from that moment on, like little things kept coming up. Like we kept corresponding. Um, yeah. And just like, I don't know, troubleshooting different things. Because it was like an innate knowledge that we knew the other person would have the answer or um, or an, an idea. I don't know. I can't explain it. It was just it was just an innate knowing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how you recognize one like an amplified, you know, feeling like something is amplified that has no 
outside evidence, right? There's no reason why I should be so afraid of this. There's no reason I should be avoiding this so much. You know, this person, this activity, the place, idea, this place. Yeah. So anytime, you know, or feeling so overwhelmingly drawn to something, feeling this overwhelming connection or familiarity that can't be explained by, you know, logical everyday reasoning. I think that that's always a clue to me that there's something. Something there. It's all contract between you. I think I think something that continues to come up is um, between Kelly and I is that the the more that we we talk to each other or are around each other, you know, and talking to others about uh, mostly our our spiritual paths and and abilities and experiences, is that it's almost like confirmation that we're not crazy you know and that sure. it well it gives you confidence because you literally have the same exact experience yeah, and understandings yeah. as i have that's what i mean yeah it's like and it's and it's allowed us both to kind of go deeper into that and you know, kind of helps us understand ourselves better right right yeah which i mean i've shared that experience with other people and this it was like it's different it was like i was talking to myself like, like imagine sitting in a car with yourself, talking to yourself, and then getting and be like, huh? That what was? I'm like, oh, sorry. I think like the first time, like me and Matt had hung out as friends understanding where twin flames were like this is oddly natural because it's kind of just calm and i don't feel like i need to process someone else's energy being around you yeah and it just is natural like it's just like being around myself it's weird there is no conflicting energy or to anything to, to offset to you know expectation or uh, you know fear of you know, saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, like it was like, yeah, literally like sitting in the car with yourself. (laughs) Well, and what's interesting too about that is like, you know, I have a habit of overthinking conversations after they've happened. Oh, really? You have that? Oh, I totally have that. And, um, or like, uh, wondering if like people had picked up what I said wrong than what I intended it to be. And Maybe because that's something that you had happen to you every day of your life. Because I trigger the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. weird. <laughs> weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Doing the shamanic work is fun. But with you, I don't do the whole overanalyzing because I think how would I respond to it? And if I think about how I would respond to it, I'm like, you would it's like does it he gets but then you'll do things trigger shit out of me and i'm like i do that to people yeah (laughs) yeah you do definitely do so it's interesting it's interesting to see that and like even a twin flame soul contract version of that where we are mirroring each other in many different ways and so it's fascinating too. And also forcing each other to acknowledge 
aspects of ourselves that we don't want to integrate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Which is another great. Oh, How? good. So you're not perfect. <laughs> no one said that. No one said that. Well, and I mean, I see so you have lessons to learn. <laughs> I think the joke is doing it together. I know. I'm just jealous. <laughs> my thing, and we both have, you know, I have fiance and um, she has a husband, and you know, how do you? I don't know. Yeah. How do you explain that to? You're significant on the I I don't I can't speak for your husband, but my fiance. <laughs> well, yeah, and and mine was uh, it really triggered a lot of things in in her that needed to be healed from past experiences. Um, it, it didn't necessarily have anything to do like they're they're they get along great together, and we're. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it should if be pretty easy if you can't grasp the back because she's already used to you after so long, and and you didn't meet her very. You didn't spend a lot of time with her for the longest time. Yeah, so I they had to spend a long relationship with. Yeah, that's yeah. And so that's it's not it's not like there's been this dynamic that that she's had to contend with for a long time. There may have been this knowledge of somebody over there that whatever, but it wasn't like you and Kelly were in each other's lives through most of, of your relationship, you know, so. Yeah, and I mean, I've always been completely open and honest about, you know, every, every time that we speak or or what we're talking about, you know, just out of respect to her and, and you know, her previous experiences with others and... Um, that and like, I don't ever want there to be like a question, a question. question. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, if she can be a, a part of this journey, which she is obviously, then, um, you know, she has every right to, to be as much of a part of it as, as she wishes. So. Well, and even looking at soul contracts, just as a practitioner, perspective too is very fascinating as well um, because of the fact that it's like you know one of the things with coming to Sedona and like being literally dragged back to Sedona every time I've tried to leave um, you know I remember just going into a trance and talking to the spirit of Sedona and being like hey like what's your deal <laughs> like oh, why, do you, why do you keep dragging <laughs> yeah. me here um and being explained that the reason why I'm here is because this is where I've agreed to meet majority of the people I do have soul contracts with and work with very specific things and, you know, specific stuff to my purpose that uh, people would come to me for. And it's interesting how it manifests in that way, where it's kind of like just random, like, hey, I was at a gas station talking to someone. And they have a sister that apparently had a friend that went to you and you did some clearing and soul contract work and remove things from their Akashic records so that they could resolve certain karmic debts and blah, blah, blah. And then I was wondering if you could do it. And I'm like, 
it's like the most random way to ever like come to me. And so you find that these solo contracts just kind of come through like really random ways just out of nowhere. I think it, I think of it as literal energy and energy is always going to find the path of least resistance. So you're just going to naturally tend to be connected to a physical space where you can uh, have the greatest potential to achieve your goal or the karmic goal. Mm -hmm. But that's also a free will choice. Right, right. right. Like, I mean, Kelly could have decided that regardless of whatever wisdom she was getting, you know, and, and circumstances, she could keep pushing through all the circumstances that were coming towards her, all the situations she was in and other places instead of saying, okay, I, I hear the call. I know I'm supposed to be there. I'm going to go back there, right? You could also choose to not fulfill certain contracts. You could choose how you fulfill contracts, you know, whether it's being in someone else's journey or your own. So you talked about, you know, the example with your mother, what was coming through for me about that was maybe she did or didn't have a contract to go to learn some lesson or for you, you know, everyone in her life to learn the, a lesson through her potential suffering, right? Like what purpose would that suffering have served if she had stayed around for another seven years, gone through all those trials and everything? Was there a karmic lesson uh, or a soul contract lesson that she was meant to learn through that experience or that one of you was? And maybe the idea was she, you know, said, well, how about I just do that a different way another time, yeah. another life, you know, exactly that, that we have those choices. Like, I think that a lot of the soul contracts I was completing before becoming a practitioner, um, a lot of it was through my dating life, not to sound you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I, you know, was always meeting people and and having, you know, these short relationships with people, but they definitely felt destined. They felt really beautiful that there was something that these guys were getting out of that, you know? And Facebook messages, you know, whatever from guys like a year, two years later, just saying, wow, I just really want you to know, like, my time with you was really impactful and I, I decided to change this about my life and go do this because a lot of the times I was dating people who didn't see how amazing they were. Huh? Like I would pick the quiet ones in the corner because <laughs> I was all nothing quiet in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, you look really shy and cute. I'll pick you. And I would do that even in grade school. I remember cute. my boyfriend I had in third and fourth grade. It was like the first week of school every year was like, all right, who's going to be my boyfriend this year? And then by that Friday, I was like, just so you know, it's you. And here's what I must have. You shall get the girls happy with the toys. I shall get the boys happy with the toys. We shall switch these as an expression of devotion to each other. Like, I have it's a real piece of work. So, so, but I always if you had could just this, sign here. <laughs> I always had this inclination towards guys like that. So I've dated some immensely amazing, sweet, you know, just perhaps not at my same, you know, like 
level of confidence and get it done and, and whatever. But like, I don't think that any of those were wasted experiences. I didn't feel like I was running through the mill or whatever. They were really meaningful. And I felt like I was really healing people. It wasn't my intention. Like, no, totally consciously. It's not like, oh, look at this poor soul. Like, I'm just going to, you know. It wasn't that at all. I was just like, well, this is an amazing person. How can I show them? How can I get them to see that in themselves, you know, through the way that I see them, the way I see them? Well, I thank you as, as someone, as a guy who hardly said a word for the first 20 years of his life. Um, sometimes we need that to even know that that's possible. Yeah. Um, is to have somebody who's forces that out of us, you know? Yeah. And there became a point where I was like, okay, I kind of don't, you know, want to do this anymore. Like I remember having a conscious, like in, in my early thirties, just saying, okay, like, I'm really like, I'm tired of doing that. I want to do something else. Like, <laughs> how can we rework this? You know, what other way can I serve? And interestingly enough, I very quickly went into healing work again after that out of corporate and back into healing. And so I do think that that's, um, just a different way that you can kind of shift, you know, how you're doing that. Or you can just decide, okay, like, I, I don't want to serve in that way before. This is, these are the experiences and the lessons that I want to call in yeah. and, and start calling that in instead. We're still bound, you know, by us having free will. So right. we, we agree to the overall lesson, not necessarily every detail of how we achieve that goal. I think there's going to be, you know, then we get, then we start getting into timelines and, and things like that. You know, there are various timelines that can take us to the same, uh, overall potential goal, um, but get there in vastly, infinitely different ways. And like Kelly said, you know, in the very beginning of this podcast talked about, you know, sometimes people in that contract with you will choose not to fulfill their end of the contract, you know, but absolutely. And that that carries karma for And I've been in one of those, like, you know, as a, in a dating relationship where it was just, you know, I, I still kind of, it's been, a, it's been like seven or eight years, but I still feel that break. You know, when I tune into it, I get incredibly nauseous. I'd never had anxiety attacks ever in my life. It was only a couple of months, like logically, and that was the whole thing. I'm so logical. I still feel that break. Yeah. Well, definitely. And like looking back, and this is actually something that has come up this week, is I had an old friend um, from high school contact me. And it was interesting because like I haven't talked to him in like 10, 15 years. It's been a very long time since we've talked. And that tends to happen where I create very strong bonds with people or people that I used to be friends with just randomly come back in my life like nothing has ever happened. I do that to people all the time. <laughs> well, we do that to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what was very fascinating is this friend had told me that he's considering leaving his wife, who he believes is borderline personality disorder. And um, that it's too much for him and that he's finding that he is having a reoccurring theme of just self-sacrificing just for other people without taking into consideration his own happiness and his own like self-worth and just basically allowing himself to be abused by people. And um, 
he he does a lot of spiritual work like me, but he's kind of more devoted into like very structured like daily meditations for hours. Like I don't have that type of self discipline. My meditation comes a lot through like massaging. So um, when I massage clients, usually I'm like gone in a full meditation at that point. And um, he says it has to do with our past life and your role in this lifetime with me. And I said, well, that's interesting because I don't like looking at our Kashuk records. I'm like, we don't have a contract. Like, why would you bring that up? Like, that's interesting to me. Um, And so looking at the past life, you know, very much what was coming up for him was, you know, sacrificing for me in this past life. We were like some type of spiritual people in like a temple in India and um, had a baby, but like he didn't want to be a father and all those things. So there was that karma and him feeling guilty for it and needing to make it up to me and me not allowing it. And I think I probably was probably a form of borderline in that lifetime and in this lifetime he very much carried in that heavy contract of experiencing people with borderline personality of just having a parent that has it pretty much like reflecting back on all his relationships from the ones that i remember him being in almost all his girlfriends were also borderline and uh, then looking at it and it was right around the time that that karmic agreement came up for me and him where we did have a very heavy karma and a heavy influence on each other's life. I was in that shadow process of removing that ancestral karma of potentially turning into someone that would be borderline. And so looking back on it and reflecting on it, I had cleared that karmically to where he's still going through the karma of whatever that lifetime was where we had that he's carried into this lifetime, but I'm no longer having it. And that's why I couldn't find it because I'm like, well, there's nothing there. I looked, but it was an old one that I had cleared out through my own self-work. And so for him, he's still repeating that process so that he needs to go to like a final, like, resolution with it and i am no longer bound to that karma so it was interesting that this would be the podcast we're recording about that and just talking kind of similar about that subject that came up well maybe you're yeah maybe that this is like the final kind of stage of that uh karmic work which is you know the story the the telling of the story sometimes that's a lot of times that's the the final role um and and the of 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 our experiences is is to tell the story and sometimes we have to tell that story to a thousand different people and a thousand different times or maybe it's just the one time we speak it out and and you know you'll look back years from now and or and listen to this and you'll hear that and be like oh man realize that that was probably the last time you ever thought about (laughs) that karmic experience or or that experience as well. I don't know. Yeah, because you talked about, you know, one of the things we, how do we recognize one, you know, is that it's a recurring dynamic in our life. And that's come up a few times, I think, in this podcast yeah. already, that as recurring things, recurring experiences, that that shows that there's still something unresolved, you know, in in that lesson, in that contract somehow. and um, And so bringing into that, you know, how do you, 
know that a contract is ending? I like to compare karma to grief. Um, because I think we all have our own experience with grief and that it's never gone, but it changes us and change and we change our relationship with it. So, uh, early on that grief is overwhelming and all encompassing and can completely take you over in the moment. And over time and sitting with that grief for, you know, going through the, the stages of grief, um, we gain more understanding with it and we integrate with it and, um, we start to find value with it and um, let that experience be transformative. And at a certain point, we don't identify with the negative aspects of grief, but rather the positive. So you would take, instead of, so you would say with soul contracts, so if we were to take out the word grief and put soul contracts in, you're just saying that yeah. processing them is the same. Sure. So it's not that soul contracts are grief or feel like no, grief. No, yeah. But it's the same process of right. healing from grief, you know, or healing from anything that. You know, and I, well, I, and I think grief is, is probably just a, a stronger, more uh, easily, uh, explainable or, or personable or common experience. common experience, you know, that, that we can all kind of relate to. Um, and, and it also has a lot to do with your karmic or your soul contracts as well. I mean, we wouldn't experience that grief unless it was, um, it was going to be a part of us in some way to begin with, uh, so yeah, how do you know that it's that it's over, that it's done? Um, I don't know. Is it ever really done, or do we just look at it from complex. a new perspective? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they're all different. Yeah, but I've definitely felt that sense of completion. Mm -hmm. Like I've felt completion plenty of times, and and again, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, to me, there's like a. It changes. Sometimes there's just a piece with it. I'm like, okay. I think that's what you're trying to get yeah. towards the end of of that, right? Like towards the end, you're like, okay, like I'm not thinking about this anymore. I'm not, uh, I've kind of moved on or other words that we use a lot, you know. Or just it no longer affects you. Yeah, yeah. this doesn't affect you anymore. And so you're like, okay, so that's how I know I've integrated like a lesson, right? Is that it's not something that's constantly revolving around and coming up for my attention and bothering me and, and things like that. When it's uh, some type of relationship, whether it's at work or with another person or something like that, I just feel a lot less engaged. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel that passion for it. I don't feel like I want to move forward with it. And not from a place of, oh, this is hard. I can't do this anymore necessarily. Like before you get to that point, there's always everyone's like, oh, well, you know, I kind of knew the relationship was over, but I stuck it out and I tried this and then it gets hard. Right. There's some instances for that. Uh, but if you're in it, 
and it's hard and you still want to keep going, yeah. then that's your hint. It's not over, right? The contract isn't over. But if it's quite so that, there's, you know, not to say that just because things are hard that you need to leave, you know, you just have a level. Yeah. Yeah. You just have the sense like, OK, well, I'm not I'm not getting as much out of this as I used to. I don't know what else to do. I felt that way before, too. I'm like, well, I've done everything. I don't know what else to do with this job. I don't know how else I can contribute to this group. I don't know. Well, it can also be positive when you complete or fulfill a contract. It can be a sense of relief or completion, like we said. Um, Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a a negative thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's all all kinds. Well, that's why I kind of also like grief as a as an example because it's not grief isn't always negative though mm-hmm. though we you know we embody negative aspects and and to that oh yeah and grief isn't positive or negative it's it it's grief and it's it's how we work through it and what lessons we learn and how much we take on and and let go of you know that create what that means to us specifically well i think sometimes it's just super subtle and you don't necessarily have anything like maybe your old contracts with old friends just kind of dies off yeah. and it's just you eventually just slowly drift apart mm-hmm. the growth the, process yeah you just grow out of it yeah or the contract complete and then you can choose to take on another one with them, right? That I think there are some ideas like we talked about before, like, okay, I learned this lesson. Now I have the ability, if I want to, to go in deeper or maybe somewhere, you know, our higher selves are like, you know, saying, hey, well, this went so well. Why don't we, you know, let's do some, let's do, let's collaborate again. You know, and get meet the, them in the next life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we can even here, you know, just continue to deepen those relationships. And I think that's probably something that happens through some of the long-term relationships that we have. Like my best friend, we've known each other since um, I was 12 and she was 15. You know, we're still incredibly close. And We've been through so much together. You know, we don't have a twin flame contract or anything like that. We've served a lot of different purposes over time. And we've changed so much from being kids to teenagers, to college students, you know, to young adults, to, and our lives have taken totally different paths, like forks in the road. And um, a lot of people would say, like, we don't really have a lot in common. It's crazy that we can, you know, come together like we do and support each other the way we do. We have totally different lives and and um, interests and careers and things like that. But there's always this peace and familiarity and joy. And we grow so much through the differences that we have, the different lives that we lead. We grow and learn so much from each other through that, too. And we continue to find healing, really deep healing through that friendship with each other on all that. So, yeah, that's something that I continually find myself telling people, um, either in the spiritual community or, or, you know, in the secular community is that, you know, a a common phrase that always comes up is, you know, like I, I, I've done that before. Like, why, why is this coming up again? And, you know, and then I would ask, well, is it the same this time as it was that? No. Well, okay. So it's not the same. 
but there may be, there's, there's still something there for you to learn. You know, it's changed forms. Um, so you may have cleared that contract, but there's a new, uh, aspect of it that, that you can learn from. And I've found that a lot of times too, like after you've completed a contract, there's like kind of like this weird We're just like we're like not doing. Yeah, we're just not doing. Just poking, poking the bear. Yeah, just to see. Are you really? Here for this? <laughs> this is really. Thanks a lot, Spirit Guard. <laughs> I feel myself like splitting. I was telling, sharing with some clients, you know, well, something happened earlier this week. I was able to fully process in 24 hours. It was really an intense, like a lot of deep work I did for myself to get it over with so fast. But I found that having a four-year-old at home, I don't have a lot of time to indulge in, in you know, um, allowing that part of myself that likes to, you know, get upset and, and live and live in the upset and the unfair and the whatever. Like I have to really process it too because she's so sensitive and I don't want her to be I want her to be herself and be a kid and be fine and not ever be thinking what's mommy feeling is mommy okay what's going on you know that's my own we won't get into that but that's my thing so um so I was telling my clients I'm like you know I I can tell there's I know exactly who to call when I'm in crazy bitch and like who is going to be like yes let's burn this (laughs) to the ground you know like rage you know let's do all this or you know this is horrible how can this happen like what are they thinking like blah 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 blah. you know like I know who will feed that for me when I want it you know and I know who to call when I want someone to be like okay but you know it's really not that big of a deal or you know here's the lot and here's what you can here's the lesson in this here's the you know the mature you know not to that kind of a thing and and so I can see and I go I spent you know time going back and forth and I maybe still allowed myself to call those two people that will burn everything in the ground and they didn't answer and I'm so glad <laughs> so instead the people that answered my text messages and my phone calls are the ones that keep me you know centered and calm and focused on just getting getting the lesson getting the healing and getting through it that reminds me of a meme that keeps, <laughs> keeps popping up over and over that I just I love so much it saying you know my my spouse and I began practicing um, asking each other during intense situations, like, do you want facts or do you want comfort? Mm-hmm. And um, that's definitely something that I've been trying to integrate to. It's not easy. Like, you, you yeah. really have to be diligent <laughs> about it. Um, well, if anything, you're like me. We're, we're problem solvers. So if someone comes to us with problems, we're just like, well, here's how you could fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the part of me that shows up first is like, and my friends will tell me, you know, that I, that I talk to these things about, they're like, you're freaking me out how calm you are right now. Like the, yeah. you should seriously be freaking out right now. How are you so understanding of this person? How are you so calm? How are you being so wise right now? And so I usually get that out first and then I go to bed and the next day it's like, 
then it's like anger and drama and like so I I allow myself to be human and process it because I think that's super important too you know I don't indulge in it but I process it and I feel it because I don't think there's anything wrong with that either it's not like I'm calling them and saying all those things right I'm talking we we already said I talk to myself all the time (laughs) so I'm talking to myself or I'm Tell, texting my friend saying, don't answer the phone. I'm going to leave you a voicemail. I just have to get this out. <laughs> so I did that. I left his big screaming voicemail on my friend's voicemail <laughs> just until it timed out. <laughs> and then I, I started to call her back. I was like, no, nope, I'll just keep screaming in the car and get it all out, you know, because you still have to process. But yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I love the outlet of social media for that exact reason, because I can spend an hour writing a reply to somebody, and then once I'm about minutes. to hit, once I'm about to hit, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, God, every single one of those words is pearls there are that are distracting me. <laughs> well, okay. Years ago, I would sit down and write a big long <laughs> reply, and um, at the end, I'd be like, "Okay, well, that was all I needed to do," and then I'd just delete it and never reply. Yeah. You know, it's good. Yeah, sometimes that's all you need. You, you get it out, and then it's it's over, and yeah. you don't even have to get yourself in trouble by sending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we talked about, you know, how to. Well, how how do you know when you're staying too long after something has ended and you're still continuing as if the contract is going? Oh, it'll feel completely out of alignment. And you'll feel like you're dragging it on and on and on. It's kind of like that not good enough to stick around or like what is the word like doesn't feel bad enough to leave but not good enough to stay. Yeah. I think that's kind of where things like uh, uh, maybe the the negative aspects start to get the possibility of manifesting. So we get, you know, like disease or um, yeah, mental illness or uh, financial crisis, you know, something more external that's trying to guide our path or call uh, recognition to or call to action Um, and you know we've built industries on trying to clear those with a magic pill you know Um, and a lot of them that's never going to be that's never going to be cured that way we have to to find that deeper meaning that deeper contract i mean and also in the extreme cases which is usually my life you just go through life just throws complete crumble yeah a whole reset and then you're like and we're starting over i'm you're going to be forced to move on from this. sometimes yeah sometimes you have no other choice than what's handed to you. And, you know, I think too, like some of my experience with that is just things pushing you when 
you don't recognize the signs or your, mm-hmm. you know. So I have the joke that I tell when everybody asks, you know, that comes in as clients and stuff and ask, oh, what's your story, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you know, I can't, how did how did you start doing this? I get that question almost daily, right? It's like, well, life kept punting me from one thing to another, you know, like I every time I'm like, oh, look at this great opportunity. Let me go into, you know, vacation rental and real estate and Cat 5 Hurricane. Okay, well, I guess I'll go over into the banking industry. Oh, economic crisis. Great. You know, let's go over into, (laughs) you know, into higher education. Oh, government crackdown three months in. Okay, so let's go over into wine. Beautiful, it'll never die. (laughs) So instead, it was, you know, uh, I was noticing at that point in the wine with my wine experience was just kind of like a a dynamic of. Now, can we clarify this? Is this wine that you're just buying at the store and finding yourself in a bottle, or are you actually in the industry? Yes, no, I I was working. Yes, I was doing brand. Wine will never change, everybody. Yeah. Wine lives. Oh, no, I was I was doing project management, branding, marketing, social media. Okay. So, yes. I could have gotten, gotten a lot. It was a great job. Not just it, making a tech event With a lot of, That's you know, funny. a lot of my things. It's like, it's great until it's not anymore. Like, it'll be such a high and then it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, sitting, like. We're still talking about the career, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just make sure. Yeah. yeah. Just clarifying. And sorry. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> It's so, and then it's not anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so when it's uncomfortable is when I've just, since I've had these puntings happening since I was like eight years old, right? Like I, this is, you know, in my family and my home life, like, I, you know, I've never had stability. So I learned. A couple of aspirin and Pepto-Bismol maybe. There you go. Oh God, Pepto-Bismol is the worst. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's learning. Once you do it a few times, the hope is you can recognize the science. And so then I start to feel that change in the wind, as we say, you know, and like, okay, what's going on? Like, maybe I need to start exploring other options. If I wasn't here, what would I want to do? And so I've learned to ease myself through. And then it's like, oh, this amazing opportunity shows up. Let me go into this whole different career field, possibly a whole different state. You know, no, I don't know anybody there. I don't know anything. I'm just going to go like, you know, that um, continued, like you can feel like Kelly was saying, this alignment, right? You feel super misaligned when you're not in the right place. It just doesn't feel right. And then external things will continue to build and push you. Or internal things that, that yeah. uh, self, you know, um, Self-sabotage. Yeah. yeah. It, that's a huge one. Yeah, because you know. Yeah. Because you know on some level. Yeah, you innately know. So you self-sabotage. I mean, your relationships, your career, your finances, uh, your health, you know, literally, yeah, self-sabotaging your way to the right path, which is a very hard way to do it. It's a hard but... path, but sure. It works for some people. <laughs> but yeah, like you were saying, the more you do it, the easier it gets and the easier it is to recognize the signs that, okay, this is fulfilled. Time to move on. Um, everybody has their own process. For me personally, I I get angry. I get depressed. I get uh, I get restless. First, I probably get restless, and then I get a little depressed, and then I probably get angry that I'm not doing anything, you know, to change my situation, to get out of that situation, out of that contract that's been fulfilled, and I've overstayed my welcome, and I need to leave. 
that's usually my process. But like you said, I've gotten better at recognizing the signs and, and being like, okay, time to leave. And then like as I would go, I would be more healed every time I could shift. Like instead, I feel like at first, because like I have this whole thing with like working for corporations, right? It's not that I think corporations are bad. It's you just, just want them to burn the ground. Oh, no, that's not. No, oh, that's just a chance. No, it's a circumstance, it's like a dynamic. A lot of times I'm like, why is this my problem? I'm too good for this problem. That's a whole thing I have to, I'm still working through. <laughs> you know, the idea that I don't deserve certain things that happen in life. And I was like, well, anyway. So it's, it's more of, you know, I think that they are an entity into themselves and um, they're not people. You know, corporations are not people. They are an entity into themselves. And the whole idea behind a corporation is for it to continue regardless of how that can happen, right? That's just normal. And I, I have like a healed relationship with that where I don't feel where I, I became the byproduct of that so much mm-hmm. because, you know, all of a sudden all these natural disasters and economic crises and like all these different things. So it's not like there was one person at the job who was like, you know, what, Priscilla, I'm just going to make things really hard for you. You know, I was always the golden child. Always. Everyone that I was close to there always were the ones that got shit on all the time for no reason. <laughs> they were good employees. They always got mistreated. It was I saw the unfairness all the time with people I cared about. And that was the recurring theme in all of those jobs. And why I would more often when I would choose to leave, it was because I had such an issue with that injustice. And so I've had over time been able to recognize that pattern, recognize that contract that I have, recognize that I don't need to be in one of those, you know, that I understand now I can appreciate them for what they are, corporations, right? And what and how they serve the world that I have a different, you know, way that I'm able to be fulfilled and to provide for myself and to get all of the things that that corporation was giving me at the time. I feel like I've integrated that lesson and worked a lot with my karma on, you know, fairness and, um, you know, being being the golden child while people you care about are, are having a hard time is is pretty tough. I think, you know, that, I think it's really a common theme um, with with spiritual practitioners and healers is that, uh, you know, n- not all of them, um, but a significant percentage you'll find have had jobs in corporate America and they've had a similar experience or they were the ones, you know, just, you know, taking the brunt of uh, injustice and uh, just acknowledging within themselves that they can no longer um, take part in, in that or, you know, work for someone like that. And and I've experienced that myself. Uh, you know, you, I've gone from job to job and you know, thinking this is great and, you know, becoming very good at it. And it's, it doesn't matter how much I love it or how good I am at it. If the people around me or the people that are in charge or benefiting from it aren't vibrating at the same resonance or the, you know, I don't know, just, just doing the right thing. You you just, you can't, 
stay there anymore. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't resonate to the point where you're just like, well, you know, this is... And if you stay, you, it, you build resentment and, and then you start to integrate things like disease and self-sabotage and, mm-hmm. you know, all those uh, hard path experiences. <laughs> yep, so now what happens is I have a friend of mine who is going through similar experiences and I'm... and. It, there's some of her things, even though she's older than I am, there are certain experiences she's going through over the last six years that I've known her that I've lived in Sedona. And like watching her go through her experiences with power, her own personal power, because that's definitely something that I have done a lot of healing on is being comfortable with the power, my powerful self, right? And we're so worried to do. Yeah. yeah, well, see, mine's the other end. Like, I, I probably naturally lean, you know, pretty on the tyrant side a little. So, I'm parts of my personality. <laughs> Kelly has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> my tyrant side. She calls it bossy. You know, that's, that's an, probably a nice way to <laughs> and then going into my also super, you know, I, I have both. I'm super considerate and thoughtful and accommodating. And then there's definitely times, you know, where I've had to do a lot of healing with this part of me that doesn't have that balance, that gets really bossy, super impatient, you know. So now that I'm not in corporate America, I have a child. <laughs> have that part of my personality constantly you know question triggered brought up and I have to find my own healing through through you know power but um, this other friend of mine has the same has similar lessons although she's never had children nothing of that but just watching her go through corporate things and watching her and her personal dynamics with other people and how her relationship to power that I am learning and healing so much just by witnessing her experience and she has no idea I've never told her that probably never will tell her that you know because she's in her own thing and she doesn't need me inserting my own energy into her experiences but there are you know just because I decided okay this it felt like my corporate America contract was complete I don't feel the need to ever work in that aspect again in leadership or do any of that kind of stuff and now I get to learn vicariously through someone else's experiences through the act of being mindful and now you know I have my kiddo that's helping me to work on aspects of that too you know how do you learn to manage that power and I feel like that's also her karmic lesson that I'm here to help her as her mother learn her balance with power you know, I think that she's had many lifetimes where she's had an issue with that and overstepped and and done some things, you know, that she's kind of paying karma back for. And I know that because it comes up in her nightmares. <laughs> so, you know, interestingly enough. So that that would be an interesting thing to to go into is acknowledging your your karmic debt um, through things like dreams or uh spiritual reoccurrences or I don't know what other things we could go into I mean maybe not this therapy yeah yeah Yeah, there's there's lots of ways that you can try to figure out what these lessons are and that you can heal you can heal through things in spirit like Kelly was talking about completing her contract she had done that you know with her her son in spirit she had done that you know on her own healing with this you know that contract with that guy that you know, had no and idea crazy like, intricate by the way like i don't that think that's fair you don't have to live through it's pretty advanced 
Yeah, that's what most people experience. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm just putting out there is that it's a possibility. Yeah. Like, don't feel like you have to live through. I definitely have worked through contracts beginning to end with people in spirit without ever having to do anything in the physical, um, have any kind of relationship with them. I've I've had that experience, and that was a spontaneous thing. I didn't know that was possible until I was somehow doing it, and then watching myself do it. You know, and and. It was weird how that karma like completed, you know, and um, so I do help clients do that too. We'll we'll talk about that and work through some of those things when they come in sessions, if it's appropriate. If it's appropriate, and if it's appropriate, you really have to like yourself. Usually, gives permission for those things, right? And I mean, even now doing a lot of shamanic work, I will recognize certain like soul contracts come up or like karmic stuff come up and I'll be like you know I, I just really don't want to experience that I feel like I've done enough work with it and I'll usually just go in and clear it how it happens so that I don't have to continue to have all these experiences and creating like boundaries like okay well I know this is in my future and that this experience is going to start to unfold. I don't want to go through that experience because I feel like I've learned enough. And then if I have permission to do it, I do it. I just clear it out and be done with it. So. You hope. <laughs> I know for a fact I would but when I do clear it you have that sense of completion. Yeah, for, for that knowing. I'm a natural skeptic, right? So I go back and test stuff all the time. <laughs> sure, you gotta, like, gotta poke the bear. Right? Does, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just do It's face. And what's, they have that saying too, like what's meant for you will never pass you by. And I've got lots of examples of those, like uh, where I've passed on lessons. You know, we talked in the other episode about terminating pregnancy, right? You know, and and so in doing that, the funny thing is when I got pregnant this time, pretty similar circumstances, right? 10 years later, here, here or seven years later, here it comes, you know, almost not totally identical, because um, I was in a long-term relationship with that person, but the type of person they are, you know, it's down to their hobbies, interests, passions, wow. the way their their neurodivergency, like, <laughs> you know, and that was all stuff I didn't know, you know, beforehand. But it's just that obviously I had the experience of being a single mom, you know, was in was in my contract. There's something in that for me. Um, and that makes sense because that aligns a little bit with what we were talking about earlier about exit points. I mean, birth is, is an entrance point. So, mm -hmm. you know, those circumstances aligning for that incarnation to begin, there may be um, multiple entrance points, you know? Yeah. And that was just the one that. Because it does feel like, and, and what had happened when I, you know, in the past, when I had terminated that first pregnancy that um, some friends I had that were mediums that I met a few years later, they would say the same thing that some friends that I said at the time, they're like, oh, I kept seeing, you know, this child's a daughter and it looked just like, you know, the previous dad, right? She even, one of them, she even drew me a picture and I was like, whoa, like carbon copy. Huh. My daughter now, carbon copy of her daddy, like, Absolutely. They had similar experiences with their moms. Like, and so then it goes into the whole, not only is it's not all about me, right? It's not that maybe I would, there's some part of it is I need to be a single mom. Some part of it is that 
she needed to have her parents that weren't you know Absolutely. together but loved each other. There, you know, he needed her in order to facilitate healing in his life for sure. You know, and so that's when it gets just so infinitely fucking cool. Like how complex and, yeah. and fascinating the whole thing is. Well, and what's interesting too about that is um, a lot of times these spirits. Um, that you do terminate pregnancies with or lose in miscarriages or maybe even a child that has passed, a lot of times will stick around and incarnate again with you. And so um, it's also fascinating because it's like you can even see that a lot of times with like adoption where you know, a lot of times people who have lost children and go the adoption route, yeah. that soul of that child then gets born through that person that they adopted through and it's still comes right back to you and so a lot of times there's that karmic agreement with that soul how it comes through is up to them and how it manifests and it depends on their karma and how they want to play out their lifetime because they're still part of your soul family exactly yeah well i mean we're gonna wait too we can go all day talking about you know um terminating a, a pregnancy but that that doesn't that will never mean you're uh terminating a soul <laughs> you know like that no it is just it's, it's an option not. yeah it's it's like it's a very in-your-face way of saying yep i'm passing on this lesson right like i feel like a lot of this i could have um gone through a very similar experience but i do feel like at that point in time, I can tell you for sure, I hadn't done a lot of the healing that I've done since. And um, and it wasn't healing I did because of that situation at all. It was healing I was going to do anyway. Right. But um, if I hadn't, if I had chosen to have that experience at that point in time, man, it would have been a lot different than it is now, yeah. for sure. Because one, like he and I, you know, had a relationship together. We just kind of, it wasn't even anything bad happened. We were just like, okay, we kind of feel like this is complete. You know, we had had that sense for a while. And then about, and we still were hanging out nine months later because we didn't know what else to do. And um, then I got pregnant out of nowhere on birth control. You know, like wow. it was, and then then, you know, he freaks out and, and validly so based on the way he was raised in his childhood. He was afraid of that continuing on. And he was really afraid of being a terrible parent. That was his fear. It wasn't me. It wasn't, you know, but there was also this part of him that really wanted to have that perfect family that wanted to have a wife and a child and a picket fence. And, and so it was just like allowing, that's the way I saw it was allowing him to have that future. I, I was so happy that he wanted to dream it. Yeah. That I was allowing him to go forward with that dream because I had that dream too. And this just wasn't going to be it. Not because we hate each other horrible or anything like that. Just this wasn't it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you brought up earlier what, how you could sense that she was, um, that she was in, you know, embodying that physical space. And then when she was out, that physical space, you know, within you. And, and I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't want people to, who are listening, ever think that, uh, termination of pregnancy is, is going to disrupt that soul. Um, 
because it's not in there, you know, like that it's not embodying that physical space at that time. You know, they can come in and out, um, while you're still in the gestation process. Well, and I think too, the, you know, the, the point I like to make about my story is that there's multiple opportunities for all of us, right? Like I could have gone through with that contract and maybe never have had a contract with the, you know, father of my child now, right? Like that could have bypassed because I think we have backup plans all through our journey. Of yeah. We have backup plans. So if you don't feel like this is a situation you want to learn that lesson in, then you have the opportunity to move into learning that lesson somewhere else down the line or completing that contract somewhere else down the line and that you don't necessarily have to stick right with it, that it's not something that you have to be um, feeling guilty about or shameful about or anything. It's free will. It's an opportunity. We could go on and on about the yeah, yeah. maybe do another episode on sure. it later. But thank you, everyone, so much for listening with us. Check out our link tree and the other resources that we'll have for you in the podcast notes. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Peace. All of the information shared on this podcast is for educational purposes only, based on personal experience. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any form of mental or physical illness. Please consult a medical professional before using any advice given during this podcast. Thank you, and blessed be.